Thank you, Joe, for sharing. Um, it, it is good to be reminded again of the fact that God is constantly working, um, that we, we serve a God who is more than able to do things beyond our wildest imagination. And so, uh, praise God. As Joe mentioned, uh, last week we, we began this series called Ordering the Chaos. We began by talking about this reality, if you weren't here, uh, of how we live in a hyper-stressed and chaotic society, in that the, the stress in our lives are things that quite literally are killing us. They're killing us mentally, uh, emotionally, and spiritually. And last week, we, we, we began by talking about these, these two primary types of stress, and this is going to blow your minds, but there are these two uh, primary types of stress. There are these things that are out of your control and things that are in your control. I know, it is crazy to think that someone could think of something so brilliant and wild, but it is true, right? And we talked about this idea that there are many things that are way out of our control that we stress over and agonize and let, let, let joy be robbed from our life because of it when the answer is to just surrender to the Lord and have faith that he has it. But then there's also these things in our lives, these stresses, this chaoticness in our life that are fully in our control. And, and, and we need these loving reminders sometimes to actually deal with it, to actually take the steps to order our life in a way which would bring us peace. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, we get sort of the basis for this whole series when the Apostle Paul said this, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And we talked about this reality that, 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 that a disordered life will lead to death, body and soul. And that the answer is this idea of shalom, which is this biblical concept of peace. It's about wholeness, completeness, and harmony in our life. But one of the things we, we, we have to deal with uh, is figuring out how do we take a life that is um, constantly pushing us to the brink of burnout? How do we take um, a, a world that oftentimes is very against the way of Jesus, how do we not let it get us down? What do we deal with all of this? And, and so again, we've been talking about this idea that the only way we experience this shalom is through relationship and reliance on Jesus. That's the only way that we experience this peace and this wholeness, but that we have to pursue it. And again, stresses are things that lead us down these paths, but as I was reflecting this week, I was reflecting on the realities, though, of what are some of the reasons that get us to the place of chaos and stress in our lives. And one of the things that I, I came to as I was uh, studying and praying is that a large obstacle towards shalom or peace and closeness with God is our desires, and especially uh, because our desires tend to be disordered. How many of you have ever gone to the grocery store hungry? Anyone ever gotten that look from a spouse or a parent or a loved one or maybe, maybe a roommate back in your single days where they look like, what in the world did you buy? I think my wife kind of flinches every time. We, we, we tend to do a lot of like um, the delivery shopping or, or pickup, but every once in a while, um, we have like one thing that we need for a meal that I get sent to the grocery store, and I think my wife is always a little bit afraid of what I might come home with, because usually... Usually I bring home a lot of things. It's a good day when I remember the one thing I went there for. Uh, but there is this reality, right, that sometimes 
uh, we uh, can be uh, a little bit uh, off on our target because when we are especially like hungry, right? Like we walk in there and forget what we came there for. We begin to see all the delicious, shiny things, all the things we want. Or I have heard, and I'm not, I, I've heard this from, from, from multiple, um, especially ladies, uh, about the draw of the store Target. That you don't go to Target um, looking for something. You go there and you let Target tell you what you want or need. This is what I've heard, at least. There's this reality that oftentimes we have allowed our desires to be the driver in our life. And the truth is, desires are not necessarily totally bad or always totally good. In fact, oftentimes there can be really great desires that we have. But one of the issues of how we find this chaos and stress and this disunity uh, and harmony and peace in our life is when sometimes not only do we allow bad desires to rule the day, but sometimes we take good desires and we put them in place of the most important desires. Our desires get out of whack and our desires will often lead us to choose chaos and brokenness because ultimately we are choosing uh, to do things in the wrong way, in the wrong manner. And so much of it is because we have allowed our lives to be um, usually uh, led by emotions. And our emotions are great indicators, but they're not always the greatest directors. The Bible has a ton to say about just the realities and the conditions of a human heart that has not been touched by the grace of Jesus Christ. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it says this, the human heart is the most uh, deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to the actions they deserve. Harsh words, right? But it is a reality. At our core, left to our own desires, oftentimes our desires are not going to lead us to being a wonderful person, a godly person. Oftentimes, our desires will lead us to places of lust and greed and pride and ego in all of these sort of things. It's why in Proverbs, we're told this, above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus, and he, he's talking about this reality of what our lives were like before Christ. He says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the reality that we were created in God's image with goodness and value and love and worth. And that is true in the same breath. We also live in a world that has fallen, that is in desperate need of a savior, in a desperate need for our hearts to be changed because in the current state of the world that we live in until Jesus comes back, our natural dis uh, uh, disposition is towards sin. It is towards our desires. And again, we oftentimes either lean into the terrible desires because many of us have great intentions, right? Every one of us 
usually has great intentions uh, to be a selfless person. But sometimes we get opportunities and our desires lead us to be selfish. Some of us want to be a generous person, but sometimes greed comes along. We want to be a faithful person, but sometimes lust is strong. There is this reality that if we don't deal with our desires, and in particular, order them in the right way, we are going to be in trouble. Has anyone ever had the great joy and pain and um, frustration of uh, putting together anything from Ikea? Oof. My wife and I put together, I don't know if it was from Ikea, it was from something similar, uh, a bunk bed for our boys once. And I just want to say, like, when we made it through that, I knew our marriage, like, was a forever thing, for sure. <laughs> but if you've ever done one of those, you know, they give these step-by-step instructions. They have all these little, you know, tons of pieces. I mean, it is kind of adult Legos. Let's just be real. Um, but, but actual furniture and things of that nature. Uh, but but I, I will fully admit, I have multiple times been in the midst of putting together something in, uh, of Ikea furniture, and, and I have realized about a halfway or three-fourths way in that at some point, I missed a step. Anyone willing to admit they've done that before? And then after you say Hebrew words you're probably not supposed to say, and you kind of break things, you have to restart over, right? And, and it's because there is this order to putting these things together to actually make it function right, And in the same way, for those of us who desire peace and shalom in our lives, those of us who desire to follow Jesus faithfully, there is this reality that there are a right way, a right order of our desires to ultimately lead us to live the life that God has called us to. Because as we talked about last week, our culture and even many followers of Jesus have sort of just made peace with the fact or, or, or I guess surrendered to like, well, I guess this is the way life is supposed to be. We're supposed to be constantly stressed and we're, we're supposed to be this way because that's just the world that we live in. And yet when I look at the teachings of Jesus, when I look at his example, when I, when I hear him promise us that he's coming to give us life and life more abundantly, like I take him seriously. And I think so much of it comes from this idea that if we were to actually bring order to our desires, it would begin to help us be able to look at our time in our relationships, in our finances, and our consumption, in all sorts of things, and align them in the proper way that God intended them to be. Now this morning, I, 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 I want to talk about three dangers of uh, disordered desires, and then I want to talk about just a couple things that may help us in dealing with those. So let's, let's, let's dive into these. these. These three dangers of disordered desires are distraction, discouragement, and derailment. And we're going to talk about each of them. The first one is this, is uh, distractions. Listen, ADHD kid right here. So like I have been known to trail off often. Um, what was I saying? Anyways, uh, distractions. Um, no, Here's the crazy thing about desires, right? Oftentimes when our desires are not in proper order, oftentimes what happens is we can become incredibly distracted. I don't know about you, but I I feel like on social media, when I desire to finally start like eating well, it is like the algorithm pushes to me all the most like calorie rich, like terrible foods, right? Anyone ever feel that way? Or there are moments where it's like, I want to do these things, 
but I get distracted by all the things that are going on. And, and, and desires often distract us, and what happens is they lead us down a path of death and destruction. Because ultimately, I believe one of the uh, enemy's greatest um, goals is not necessarily to uh, destroy us or scare us, but it's to distract us. Because ultimately, when we are distracted, we, we are no longer keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're no longer keeping our eyes on the prize. And what, what oftentimes happens, at least for me, is we can run into this deadly thing called comparison. And in particular, when we get distracted, at least for me, oftentimes when I get distracted, what ends up happening is I stop focusing on what I'm supposed to do, and I start focusing on others in particular. And the bad thing about comparison is comparison not only causes chaos, but it ultimately will kill us. Last week when, when we began the series, I, I talked a little bit about this, um, this feeling that, that our life is almost like a, a set of Legos. In the way that most of our lives feel right now uh, are, are, are like we've been given um, a set of Legos, but there's missing pieces and there's extra pieces that don't fit, and there's some of the instructions and some of the instructions are missing. But I, I was thinking a little bit about this week about how uh, oftentimes we allow our desires to take over because sometimes we get distracted and we begin to compare ourselves to others. And we kind of look like, oh, here's my, my set of Legos, here's my life, but I see this other one and this one looks a lot better. Like it's fancier, it's got more pieces, it's got all that sort of stuff. And, and at least for me, oftentimes when the enemy gets me distracted is when I am most likely to cave to my desires. I'm most likely to say, does it even matter? Should I keep trying at this? Uh, or I begin to just idealize and desire to be someone who God did not create me to be. And, and one of the most holy beautiful things that you could do as a follower of Jesus is to acknowledge and accept who God created you to be. Now, that's not saying you shouldn't strive to grow and be refined, but there's this reality that sometimes we spend so much time, we make the lives of others, of status, of money, uh, of schedules, of looks, all these things, we idealize these to the point where in some ways we are looking at our Heavenly Father, our Maker, and saying like, man, you stink at this. Look what you made here. And there's this reality that when we get distracted, things never go well. When we start comparing, it corrupts the love that we had, this relationship that we had with Christ. Here's the second um, danger that we have, uh, discouragement. Discouragement can often lead us to the deadly places of complacency. There's this reality that oftentimes we start comparing ourselves, we get distracted, we start comparing ourselves to others, and, and there's part of me that when I'm like, okay, if, if I look at, uh, you know, someone with a six-pack and then I look at my, my glorious dad bod, uh, there's part of me that can get a little discouraged after a while. Now, I don't want to admit the fact that maybe the late-night Reese's have not helped, but it's besides the points. But maybe you've been there before. Have anyone ever been discouraged before at progress? You, you, you're thinking you're going to be farther along, which some of it has to do with this reality that, like, growth takes time. Like, we live in a very instant um, society. In particular, like the young people today, right? I'm putting myself in that category more and more because I'm feeling older, but like you think about the internet, right? Like many of us who are sitting in this room, we sat through dial-up, right? We remember what it was like to make sure no one needed to make a phone call and we had to wait to get on the internet, which is a weird thing to say. Makes young people be like, huh? Get on the internet, it's everywhere. But there is this reality that we live in this instant society where we want to th have things happen now. And if they don't, we oftentimes are discouraged and we become complacent and we stop 
growing. In Proverbs chapter 1, it says this, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Pro-Bible tip. If uh, it says anything about fools, you don't want to do what they're doing. And there's this reality that oftentimes when we become discouraged, we become complacent. We just kind of, we kind of, we kind of mail it in. And to be honest, I've met a ton of followers of Jesus uh, who, if, if I'm being honest, I think are pretty complacent. There's this reason why um, in, in the book of Revelation, um, there are these letters that are sent to these seven churches. And one of them, it talks about how, um, how Jesus speaks to this church and says, like, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. You're not hot and you're not cold. And there's a lot of people who um, I know they've experienced discouragement and they become lukewarm. They're, 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 they're still kind of following, but not really. And one of these things with our desires is we can't let our desires discourage us to a place where we're no longer striving to grow. And oftentimes, we don't want to then become people who are failing and falling in sin. Uh, here's the last one of these. Uh, derailment. You see, desires that are out of order will ultimately derail any intimacy and growth that we have in our faith, which ultimately, if you desire to follow Jesus, the goal is intimacy and growth with Jesus. The prize for following Jesus is not heaven. Here's what I mean by that. The prize for following Jesus is not ultimately, um, if you've heard about, like there's this place called hell and there's this place called heaven, One's really hot and there's not sunscreen and there's a lot of torment. One is really good. That's usually what people hear. And a lot of people love the concept of heaven because hell doesn't sound so great. I mean this with all weird sincerity. I think there's some people that like if hell had a better PR team, like they might be like, oh, that doesn't sound like a bad option. And the, the reason why is ultimately as followers of Jesus, the gift and the goal is relationship with Jesus. It's not, being, it's not just being saved from, from, from this terrible place. It's the gift that we actually get with Jesus. And that's the goal. That's what we want. I love these words that um, Paul wrote to, to this younger minister named Timothy. And he says this, Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy statement. Everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. So as we kind of transition, what, what do we do with this ordering, um, these disordered desires? How, how do we begin then? Like, what, what do we do with the pastor? That's great. You've, you, you've set the table for why this is bad, how we tend to fall in this. What do we do with this? Uh, one of the ways that, I, that I'd give you, uh, out of three ways, is to start with this. Is to start instituting in your life habits of holiness. And holy habits lead us to wholeness. There's so many people who I um, talk to who, if they're being really honest, the primary input in their life when it comes to faith is just this. It's kind of Sunday morning. It's sort of the like, let me get fed up here and Hopefully it makes me uh, to the point I get back here. And there's this reality that there is um, a need to daily choose to enter into relationship with Christ. This is why spiritual practices and habits are super, super important. Because the truth is a lot of us just leave uh, most of our life to chance. And in particular also with our 
faith. We have to invest in them. On the screen behind me, we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week, but there is this thing up here called a rule of life chart. And uh, next week, I'll have some of them printed. If, you, if you'd want a copy of this, you can email me. But this comes from a church in uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, they, they kind of give these basis for what they want to do in their life. They kind of think of the why. And it's to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And then this idea of a rule of life is sort of this ancient idea of followers of Jesus to set up a schedule and rhythm of spiritual practices and disciplines in our lives to actually lead to these sort of things. It's really what you're trying to say is knowing that my flesh and that my desires are usually going to win out the day if I do not make some sort of structure and order to my life, I'm just going to do that. And we'll talk more about what that looks like next week. But I really believe that one of the best ways to um, help us become who God created us to be is to make promises and commitments early on to live a life that will lead to that. Again, many of us would love to be healthy, but if we don't actually choose and agree to eat in certain ways, to exercise in certain ways, it is very unlikely, more often than not, that we will reach who we want to become. Here's the second thing uh, to remember to think about. Uh, Your desires won't determine your destination. Your sacrifice and commitment will. Again, so many of us kind of uh, treat prayer and we treat our spiritual life sort of like a wishing well, where we kind of show up to this certain place and we're like, God help me, this would be great, and then we leave. And we do nothing um, that actually would help us go to the places that we want to go. If you want to grow in your faith, you need to actually start doing things that will lead there. You need to do things like read your Bible, like being in community, like having prayer, like being generous, doing certain things that will actually help you. It's again, if we think about it like exercise, if you want to get stronger, you have to actually do the exercises, the commitments. Um, I I love this quote from Kerry Newhoff. Uh, He says this, uh, you can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. And again, last week, we, we, we talked about the reality that a large majority of our stresses in our life are a direct result of our own stewardship, how we've managed our life. There is so much that is out of our control, but there is very much that we really can take control of. And here's the last thing, and, and uh, the praise team's going to come out, and we're going to sing one last song. Uh, but, but the last thing to be reminded in all of this, and, and next week we're going to talk, we're going to drill down talking about this idea of what does it look like to make sure that we are stewarding our time and our relationships well. But ultimately, only Jesus can truly change your heart and your desires. Ultimately, there's this reality that for us, we need to lay all our desires at the feet of Jesus and allow him to sanctify some of those, to cut some of them out, and maybe even to give us some new ones. I love what it says in Psalm 37. It says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And one of the things that I love about that verse is what he's not saying is like, he's not saying whatever you do, whatever you want, like Jesus is not a a magic genie that you say like, Lord, I would like a, a burrito from Chipotle right now. Bam, here it is. But it's this idea that if we take delight in the Lord, if we have relationship with the Lord, the incredible thing is the more we spend time with Jesus, the more we become like Jesus and we desire for the things that Jesus desires. Many of us are missing the desires of Christ to have our desires look like Christ because many of us, if we're honest, are not spending very much time with him. 
And you know, they oftentimes say the five people you spend the most time with in your life uh, tend to influence your life and you become the most like. And there's a lot of us, the question usually to come back to is, would Jesus even crack the top 10 for us? Are we actually spending time with him? I believe that if we were to surrender to Jesus, give him every bit of our heart, our desires, and allow him to reorder and rethink through these things, I really believe that no longer would we have to look just like the rest of the world, but we would be people who would actually not just be surviving, but maybe even thriving in many different ways. Would you guys stand with me as we're going to sing one last song? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are, um, you're so good. And I am, am so grateful for the way that, um, Father, you take, uh, you take our desires, the, the good ones, the bad ones, and uh, Father, that you can um, sanctify them, that you can uh, redeem them, that you can take sometimes uh, the, the desires of our hearts and, and be able to look at them and say, no, 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 no. you got to start with this one here. You need to move this one into a small category, and this one needs to become the big basis. Father, I pray that you would help us uh, to be open and honest with you and, and maybe some others in our lives to be able to begin to experience um, the right order. Father, I think about uh, when your son Jesus taught about the wise and the foolish builder and how, how, how the foolish builder built their house on the sands, and when the storm came, it crashed but how the uh, wise builder built their house on the rock and it stood strong. Father, for many of us, maybe we just need to fully commit to aligning our desires, beginning with you as the foundation. To no longer leave so much of our life up to chance, but to begin to just really uh, follow you uh, in spirit and in truth and in practical ways. So Father, as we sing this last song, Um, would you speak to us in any way you want to speak to us? Father, maybe for some of us, we just need to fully surrender to you for the first time. Or Father, some of us, maybe we need to to repent for the first time in a while. Or maybe for some of us, we just really need to allow you to take over our minds and our schedule and our lives. Whatever you want to say to us, whatever you want to do in and through us, Father, would we be open because we know that you are good. So just now pray. Amen.